This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. You may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of USQ films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time, talk time, let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words with no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. So come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. So come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. The come on and let's get it. Talk time. gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier desai and i hope everybody had a great week last week we're gonna talk about all the fun cool funny and exciting things that has occurred last week as well as our review of the legend of vox machina from prime video and amazon video if you will and uh see if they were able to follow up on the great impact they had on the first season so we'll be talking about that and much more so let's not waste any time folks let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg let's start things off with james gunn and his reveal of what he's planning for dc studios and uh i gotta say i'm um i don't know exactly what to think because some of the intellectual properties that they're working on or they will be working on i'm not exactly too familiar with like i like i said i like dc but i'm not that heavy on its mythology as much as i am with marvel but I do recognize what they're trying to do and what he's planning for. Um, he's scrapping the entire Snyderverse, as we all know, and he's looking to do something new, a little younger. Basically, I mean, I don't, I do know this about the DC uh, comic universe is that they had after the, what was it? After the uh, New 52, which is kind of what the Snyderverse was, you know, revolved around, they went into what was called Rebirth. 
and this whole thing sounds like that they're entering the rebirth stage of the uh cinematic universe so there is a younger superman if i'm correct in the in the dc universe in the dc comic universe um they also have superboy there as well so and if you look at any of the recent animated movies that they've been doing um they're like superman uh man of tomorrow and such the whole art style has changed it is a younger clark um they're doing the same thing with wonder woman and batman in the animated front but now it looks like they're gonna do practically the same thing and i don't you know i don't mind i do love henry cavill and you know when you list him among the superman that has ever come by he's he ranks high he ranks incredibly high and, and and like maybe a number two at best because he is the embodiment of what jim lee probably you know expects out of a you know superman drawing if you ever watched if you ever saw a jim lee you know uh illustrated superman that technically is henry cavill in a nutshell like when they when they when he looked at it I, I guarantee it was inspired by the image of what jim lee does so i you know he ranks pretty high in terms of accuracy and look and presence and portrayal and such like that um you know i, I think everybody's gonna hold christopher reeves to their heart those who were alive to actually watch the donner films um so he, a lot of chances people are going to make him number one brandon rolf is probably going to be a good number three or four or something like that um but you know we're, we're, it's going to be interesting to see who they're going to pick for this new younger superman and then we also have other aspects too so james gunn's plan that he announced recently consisted of we're going to start with superman superman legacy which he said is going to start star a younger actor to play the role of kal-el uh so i i'm not mad at this because this is i believe this is the direction that they went with the comics in a sense too um the brave and the bold i'm actually really interested in because it is i believe this is going to be the debut of damian wayne and honestly in terms of like dc characters damian wayne is one of my favorites damian wayne is i i, I would call him i i literally call him like prince vegeta he has that type of added that entitlement attitude about him that i love um but somewhere along somewhere inside of him there's a good heart <laughs> dude i just watched the um super, i would just superman batman uh the super sons uh movie again and i used to read the super sons comic and i i, I love the super sons comic because i love the chemistry between him and, and jonathan kent and uh who's like superman's son I love the chemistry that these two have for each other and it's a buddy cop type it's a kid buddy cop type of you know dynamic with these two but it's so awesome Damian Wayne is so dope for those who don't know Damian Wayne is the son of Bruce Wayne and he is the uh son of I believe um Natalia who's the daughter of Raja uh Raja Ghul and you know they 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 got it in and they made him and he, he was a, one of their biggest kept secrets for a long time. So, you know, Damien is also a young kid, but a extremely skill, like skilled assassin <laughs> as well, because he was a part of the League of Shadows since he was born. So this kid is like, if anybody, if any Robin to take over the role of the bat, he's probably the best Robin 
to do that except for the idea that he doesn't mind killing and bruce is trying to get that killing aspect out of his mind and to try to give you know bring some you know bushido in him some you know some honor in him at least not to want to kill everybody you know he he's the best candidate to be batman in the future and i know that time is coming it looks like they're grooming him to do that someday you know in the, in the future um i i got a feeling because damien's around and he's very popular i would not be surprised if five ten years from now we see the death of bruce wayne and that'll be it because that'll be the biggest comic book since the death of superman except they would have to make it stick unless they reboot the whole entire universe again or make another earth um but i guarantee that that book is going to be huge if they do that and then damien minds winds up being the new batman i, I feel like that that's going to happen someday so but they right now the brave and the bold is actually becoming a thing and i think this is gonna whoever they choose to pick damian wayne is gonna make damian wayne a household name to people because you know comic book fans know who he is but you put him on a platform you know in a cinematic platform and if it pulls off right and this is the part where james gunn is i'm excited about because james gunn has done some obscure you know characters the guardians of the galaxy nobody thought that that was going to work or didn't know if that was going to work because they weren't really a known entity in the marvel universe like they were like you talk about there's a characters b characters and c characters it's safe to say that the guardians may have been the c characters and thanks to james gunn and his vision these guys are on the top like much like iron man was like people forget iron man was not like a fan a one of the most popular characters in the marvel uh comic universe until john favreau came in and did what he did with um robert downey jr and that changed the way we saw iron man like iron man became the damn near the number one dude next to spider-man because spider-man is like the top guy um captain america would possibly be the second and then iron man would be like third or fourth or something like that but he was never really like you know everybody's favorite until robbie downey robert downey jr actually took it in so um i'm telling you man it is it is absolutely one of the best things for them to find somebody that is a great look for uh you know damian wayne and can really give off the essence and vibe of him because oh that would be great so there was uh quite a few people during the uh, greg berlanti era the arrowverse if you will that was extremely excited about swamp thing you know being a series and honestly it was a great series and you know it was one of those unfortunate shows that got the chopping block way too early and i don't know it's because of lack of viewership or whatever like that but regardless the actual show was so awesome and my goodness i was like i i i didn't think I was going to like it, but I did. And it turned out to be a really great show. But once it got off the chopping block, it was like, all right, already bringing it back, already coming out because they didn't mention it, mention Swamp Thing and other uh, one of their other Arrowverse shows or something to that nature. And they were planning to do something with it or bring it back. They even showed it on the CW um, for a week to see how people would gravitate to that. I don't know what became of it, but they just scrapped it completely and we were thinking like there was also word or rumor that it was going to be 
transit it was going to migrate over to hbo max where they can have you know more liberties with it they can do a little bit more with it that never came and occurred so that is now becoming a movie thanks to james gunn they are going to revive the swamp thing and i think this is going to be a safe bet too i i you know i think they they can make this happen absolutely i am i am absolutely uh in for this another another movie that they're going to focus on is the authority this is one of the um the the ips that i'm not aware of i'm not familiar with the authority but people in the acmg facebook group who does read the comics and is aware of that are actually quite excited about this um if i don't know it i will know it now this is like one of another one of these guardians of the galaxy projects that james gunn likes doing to bring you know you know characters that we don't really take notice of or not on the radar and bring them on the radar and see how far they go he's great at doing challenges like that and then supergirl woman of tomorrow i'm all for this um i i, I love the supergirl series i, I it was it, it came off way better than it and anybody's ever thought that that show was gonna be because the first season of supergirl the arrowverse version of supergirl um that series was so bad but melissa it wasn't it wasn't the fault of the actors like melissa uh benoist did tremendous as supergirl but the writing and the lack of budget that they had when they were when it was on cbs it was so it, you could tell they lacked the support that people thought that they were getting at cw like watch the first season of supergirl on hbo max i guarantee you you and didn't watch the seasons after that because it was such a bigger contrast that first season when they had red tornado <laughs> it was so bad it was like a bad cosplay of red tornado or it looked like a bad cosplay of vision and then they canceled the series on cbs because they didn't know what to do with the product with the property cw picked it up thank goodness greg berlanti took it over and revamped it and by the second season on it became one of the most popular tv shows to date and they it got so much better so far be it for me to have any um any uh to me for me to be pessimistic about what they're gonna do with this because again james gunn is behind this they're gonna get the right people behind um to do this to direct it or whatever like that they're gonna do this right i i i believe this i i it's just no way i can be doubtful of what james gunn has already done he's already proven that he can make things work he's done great for marvel he's done tremendous for dc films before they became dc studios um and rebranded themselves the suicide squad is arguably the best dc film they've ever done arguably i mean undoubtedly like it's up there with like it it, it probably i think it may rank higher than than wonder woman to some extent i mean like it's it's very arguably like it was a great film and then on top of that you continued it with um peacemaker which you know was a spinoff of that and that was awesome so he has proven that he can he has the ability to do this he's going to do what jim lee has done so he's going to do what um to dc studios what jim lee has done for dc comics period and i think he's going to you know help finally give this brand the growth it needs because we need it like i love marvel 
Marvel's been awesome. And if DC just stopped, Marvel will continue to keep going. But is it doesn't? It's not bad to have some competition, and it's not bad to, you know, I like DC on different aspects. I I love the animated series, and I want to love the movie aspect too. But it's been hit or miss with them consistently because they kept trying to be so different from with what Marvel has done that it, it became convoluted. And I think by doing what James Gunn is doing, which is the Marvel formula, which is what the Arrowverse did, and they did it successfully. Why not? Why not do a 10 year plan? It worked for Marvel. It worked for the Arrowverse. Both of them, you know, had 10, both, both universes, Greg Berlanti and, and Kevin Feige had very long runs with their series and people don't understand like yes it's no longer yes it got canceled it doesn't mean it failed because in or if it failed it, if it really failed it would have dropped on the first season and not what people don't understand is tv shows don't really last as long as you think like they put off tv shows to see if people will watch and if people watch that means sponsors will want to get in on what they watch sponsors will only invest in tv shows that are heavily watched and that gives the leverage to studios to say like if you want to be on my show you got to pay this much to, to be seen on my show you know that's what it's all about it's the revenue aspect so it's not like I, people think and there's a lot of people who actually think that you know a show is automatically put on and that's it it's not going to go out. no if you're not getting any views or ratings you're going to get canceled that's how it works because if you're not popular enough if you're not promoted heavily enough if you don't have if your package is not put together they will let you go i've seen plenty of shows that have been canceled some by the first season and some before the first season which makes it an unfortunate failure to a lot of people but if you go more than a, a than a season that's success if you go even if it's three seasons that's still a success if you go more than that that means you got it you gathered a viewership that was continuing and and it was it was it keeps growing the arrowverse arrow flash supergirl lasted at least like seven to nine seasons that is fantastic riverdale lasted for multiple seasons up until the last until up until this point sick all of his success and i've been to san diego comic-con before and i've seen those lines at the wb booth it was packed full of people wanting to get autographs and pictures by the stars of the arrowverse and and the greg berlanti productions and such it was a major success no matter what people will say you because they will try to say that it was a failure but they don't they're not educated and understanding enough how that actually works and any of my guests that has been on the show that is acted in any form of TV shows or whatever will tell you that that's how it work. Kevin, uh, uh, was it um, Kevin Conroy? When I did the uh, the press, uh, you know, event with him, and he explained to me when I asked him the question about like, did he know that you know Batman was going to lead into the Justice League and all the stuff? He said there were no guarantees. Go back and watch it. Go to TalkTimeLive.com and watch it. He said that there was no guarantees and that stuck with me forever to this day. Like there are no guarantees that like when he did the first episode of Batman, the animated series, he didn't know if he was coming back to do another because it was a, it was a single contract that they did because they didn't know 
whether this was going to kick off, but then it did. And they signed him on to do voicing for another one, another one, another one, another one. And it just kept getting better and better and better. By that point, they're like, all right, here, we're going to contract you to do much more than this. That's pretty much how it goes in Hollywood. That has not changed. So, but people will assume an assumption is the killer of knowledge. <laughs> okay. Um, I tell you, man, like people educate yourselves a lot more. Don't just assume and don't for God's sakes, do not write on social media with any, with no merit and knowledge or experience, at least research the situation before you do, because <laughs> you will, you, you, you'll look like a fool at the end of this whole thing. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with Supergirl. Um, I think if anybody can revitalize that character for, on, on the cinema, it's, you know, James Gunn, bar none. So then that's not all. We also have TV series coming as well. I, and I hate to say TV series, but because a lot of these series may not be on TV per se, they may be on streaming networks, um, but they're coming. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, the first one that I see here is Waller. And it looks like Viola Davis will be reprising her role as Waller. And it's going to be interesting because it's like, all right, I always say, like, you can't change Waller. There is no better actor out there that's established or prestige as Viola Davis. She played the perfect Amanda Waller. Like, it, it's the definitive live action version of Amanda Waller. And there have been other Amanda Wallers, you know, live action Amanda Wallers before. But when she did it, it's, she's as stern, cutthroat, bold, as you would expect that character to be. You need, her. like, I'm so glad that he decided to keep her on. Um, Cause she, she the, the presence and the, in, in the aura about her is just, it, it it's very demanding. So she, it looks like they're working on a standalone series with that. Now, whether how they're going to tie that in, I don't think they are. I think they're just going to separate her and just say like, there's a whole new universe. This earth has to say, cause they can do that because the multi with the whole multiverse concept, you can get another Amanda Waller in another earth and it'll be okay. And thanks to, you know, again, thanks to Greg Berlanti and their take on the uh, crisis on infinite earth. They were able to explain how all of these different universes through over the years of DC all molds together in some form or fashion. And when we saw uh, Ezra Miller and Greg, uh, Grant Gustafson meet each other for the first time, that kind of really helped solidify things as well. So it can happen. Um, so that's coming out. They're doing a show based on the Lanterns, meaning the Green Lantern Corps. So we're going to see that. I don't know who's going to be starring in that as well. Uh, Creature Commandos. I am a bit familiar with this because there was an animated uh, there was an animated um, short in one of the DC films that came out uh, a while back that featured these guys. Um, I can't really explain it, but it's like this military guy stumbles on a, um, a bunch of like classic monsters like werewolf and Frankenstein's monster and you know they become like a commando team so I, I um I'm I am a slight bit familiar with that but uh not entirely but I I've, I'm aware of that so they're working on that I was really interested and surprised that they're doing that booster gold has been something that they have been talking about for quite some time and it looks like that they are absolutely going to do it finally I think booster gold is going to be a lot of fun 
um it, it's obviously going to be if you ever watched bruce de on one of the animated um you know tv uh animated series or read them in the comics then you know there's this is meant for comedy this is it's not going to be anything but comedy with that one so i i am looking for that one and who they are going to pick to play that role uh because that can go to anybody i i you know maybe somebody will establish or somebody new can come in and you know be locked in with this character so we'll see about that um last one is paradise lost another property i have no idea about so we'll we'll learn a lot more about the dc universe under james gunn's uh vision and uh forgive me i forgot the other guy that's working with him but um this is what they're gonna do and we're gonna see in the next few years maybe uh probably 2024 and 25 is going to be a very interesting year for you know comic book films but good news is it's not going anywhere it's not going a damn place and i'm sorry martin scorsese and i'm sorry quentin tarantino it's not stopping especially when you got a-list actors oscar award-winning actors golden globe winning actors you know propping on i remember there was that time a lot of you listeners don't know but in the uh in the 80s and the 70s mostly the 80s and the 90s actors playing roles in anything involving comic books or anything involving well more comic books than anything because video games wasn't even thought of in the 80s to be portrayed as a movie um it wasn't until the 90s when they started dealt you know putting their foot in the waters with that with super mario brothers and they did it incredibly bad um but in the 80s and all the stuff like you would never see a cat you know a guy like robert redford be in a movie role about captain america or you wouldn't see anybody in a superman film because they felt like that was a career killer that's how they really thought about it they were so snobby about the situation because the the misconception was comic books doesn't have a lot of integrity in terms of um storytelling and narrative but we now realize you know with the new generation that it has grown up reading comic books we knew better we saw that there was a lot to you know relate to but there was so much prejudice against comic books for years for generations that even stan lee stan stan lee changed his name because he was doing comic books and he wanted to become an actual writer so he changed his name to stan lee in case he wanted to actually become a writer and he wanted to separate his actual you know um novel writing or whatever to separate himself from what he did with comic books because he didn't want people to look down on him and therefore his sales of his actual other book would end up being um you know with, with downfall because of what the way people were thinking about it but turns out that wasn't the case stan lee the, the value of his name stan lee became far more valuable than anything because of his association with the comics so that you know now we found I th- and again i thank wesley snipes for this um because blade had something about that movie and it had a lot of depth to that movie that made people say think we can really do something with this we can really make this something more than what it is wesley snipe successfully put together helped put together blade and new line seminar uh brought that out and it's it really started the genre like 
you can't you cannot ever deny that um it was then that spider-man came out and sam Raimi and sony all put that together because of the success that blade had and they were like okay we could do the same thing too let's bring this to life let's give it some form of sophistication let's give it a you know a story that people can really snag onto let's give them an actor that can that's appealing you know in it in the form of peter parker and they did all that and it became even more successful actually i'm sorry x-men was the second one and they well they did the same thing with x-men and they found hugh jackman from that and then from you know x-men then spider-man came and they found you know toby Maguire, and just boom and it just became it, it, it just really kept started growing and then dc finally was able to come back and make their thing going on too with batman and you know this the, the new generation of comic uh, comic book movies was born you know um but nonetheless man i i this this is not going anywhere i am so happy for it it can stay this is all of i care as long as they keep making these movies relatable and then because of the success of the comic book movies we have now video game uh, adaptions that are doing much better than they did in the 90s um like i said there were a lot of bad even in the 2000s there were some bad deals but now we're starting to get some really good content the last of us especially um is a good deal like we're getting a new mario um movie coming soon sonic the hedgehog both movies were a tremendous success um we're starting to see growth in that aspect as well because again Video games were looked at the same way as comic books were looked at as a form of unsophisticated content that people turned their nose about. That's not the case, especially now when we're looking at The Last of Us. When we're looking at comic book movies like or TV series like The Walking Dead. Like you're looking at that as like this was a video game. You look at that episode from last week, which we'll talk about shortly. And it's like, yeah, there's so much more to video games and, and comics than you think. They, you could also be sophisticated with those same genres as well and provide some, you know, um, subject matter that everybody can appeal to. So it is absolutely fantastic that this is happening. I'm really happy for it. And I want DC to grow from that point. So, all right, sir, so for the second time in a row, and I never thought I would actually be talking about this, but... We're going to talk about Saturday Night Live, SNL. Last week, we talked about the uh, the Capcom Street Fighter skit that they did with Michael B. Jordan. This week, they did another game-inspired uh, spoof. And a quite brilliant one. I would definitely say this is better than it was last week. They did a spoof of Mario Kart and mixed in with The Last of Us featuring Pedro Pascal from mandalorian and of course the last of us and he did this in such a brilliant way and i i really think this was much more successful than the street fighter 6 uh skit they did last week because this was a little bit more accurate i felt like they did a little bit more homework on this in a lot of ways i thought this was hilarious and this was brilliant to do a mario kart scenario with a last of us type of vibe to it and didn't have pedro pascal as mario in here so the story of this is that mario has to take the princess uh, take princess peach to uh the castle safely from bowser you know age-old thing but they did it in the form of the last of us type of way luigi is also shown along with uh both yoshi and toad who announces that they're bisexual um in one scene we see luigi in a haunted house hiding from the goombas this is to play off luigi's mansion i thought this was brilliantly done because 
they have him with his flashlight gun and, and such and, and stuff like that. I thought that was so brilliantly done. So it was that was applied. Um, the special effects in here was like really over the top for what you would expect from a a, a, a like a SNL skit. Like I've, I haven't watched SNL in a while, but I didn't know that they were up to any of that. But I also noticed that the skit comes complete with the Nintendo logo signifying that this was approved and promoted by Nintendo much like they did with Capcom last week where you saw a whole bunch of different posters of Street Fighter and whatnot and they actually used footage from the Street Fighter 6 video game that's coming out in June so I thought this was brilliantly done kudos to them and it was just so awesome because you got this really rugged version of Mario you know who plays like Bill from the walking uh, from the last of us but it, it was just incredibly done in this post-apocalyptic looking mushroom kingdom world if you have not checked it out go out of your way it's on youtube right now it is absolutely the best thing out there so it, it's it's really i know people don't watch a lot of snl skits out there but you you if you're a video game fan if you're a last of us fan and if you're a mario fan this is a can't miss skit so speaking of the last of us i gotta talk about i cannot go through this episode without talking about not only last night's episode the uh, episode four but i can't go talk about four without talking about three because here's the thing you know i do the show sunday i record this show sunday mornings and which it means it's like a you know right before the actual new episode of um the last of us come on so i don't get a chance to talk about this show until the week after however i, I you know because i'm doing this monday i'm not only able to talk about episode three i will be able to talk about episode four because i went and watched it last night as well um but let's talk about episode three that was such an amazing outstanding episode and most notably because of nick offerman um anybody who's watched nick offerman do in, in a lot of the things that he's involved with he's a you know comedic actor for the most part but this is the first time i've ever seen him in this light and i mean in this light in so many ways um he's he's has this pattern of almost being typecasted to be this burly old school rugged manly man masculine type of dude like the the, the definitive of what a manly man is in in the most comical way because like his version of the manly man is kind of an outdated type of thing in this day and age because you know it, it's you know toxic masculinity if you will in that way but that's the roles that he played that's not the person that he is that's just the roles that he played and he plays it extremely well um if you watched him on parks and rec he kind of does that with um the great north he plays a you know character on that uh animated series um everything he's done he's played that in a, in a very comical way except here episode three may have been the definitive episode for the first season it may be the episode that say like that made hbo like oh we're already we already approved of the second season i get it now when you watch episode three you totally understand why this show is already getting a second season um it was the most outstanding video game adapted episode of anything i've ever seen nick offerman in an award-winning and worthy more award I, it better win an award i'll tell you that an award-worthy performance as bill and bill is a character in the game who a lot of people recognize from the game uh they 
deviated from the actual game this time around and you'll they did that also for this recent episode and i feel like whenever they say they deviate from the source material i feel like that's their way of saying that they're providing filler episodes to stretch out the main story of the um of the game to give it more you know contents to give it more depth that it already has but you know to be able to stretch it out into a series so getting the chance to watch these little inner aspects these filler episodes because that's what it is they're filler episodes but they are just saying that they deviate from it they don't want to say i guess saying it's a filler episode is a bad you know uh is a bad thing to say because whenever you say filler episode is associated with like an anime episode with a with a sub with a with a uh story that just doesn't relate to the main you know situation and a lot of times they're hit or miss um but they didn't say that they said that this is an episode that deviates from the actual source it's pretty much what this filler episode is nonetheless this was a outstanding as performance by um nick um and, and then on top by a second at by um murray uh bartlett who played frank now in a video game for what i understand frank is never shown in the game bill is and he i think because by this point frank has already passed away but they changed the story around this is one of the only one of the first times they they went away from the story and kind of altered it in a way because it tells the story of nick uh, of bill in his flashback about his relationship with frank during that you know during this pandemic situation where it dif where it differs from is that and i you know it's been a week if you haven't seen that episode i'm going to say it right now and i'm going to spoil it but so fast forward to this whole entire thing because i'm going to talk about episode four as well but fast forward to this because i'm going to say it now it turns out that in this version bill and frank are be you know their relationship they are a love interest they um are partners and we get to see the growth in their relationship the goods and bads and everything throughout the years and i'm thinking like you know my my cynical mindset is like who's gonna die in this whole thing because i didn't read i didn't play the game so i don't know what's gonna happen here and it just shows their relationship through this whole thing and i'm like wow they managed to survive their entire life through this whole entire situation but somehow they were you know in this pandemic or epidemic world that they've in they managed to find each other and they managed to be with each other and enjoy each other throughout almost their life to the point that you know they went through they went through some hardships they had to survive in somewhat ways throughout their uh, you know relationship and frank got into a situation to a point where he was just tired he was with her he was on a wheelchair he couldn't he can't keep up with the current climate and state of what's going on and it hasn't gotten any better they don't have you know the sophisticated you know tech to and medical equipment to keep him going not like we do now which it, it this episode also made us made people think like and really look at our lives to appreciate what we have right now and appreciate you know why we shouldn't be alone when the time comes it's like it was just so beautifully done and even more again i mentioned nick offerman and the roles that he's played before for him to play in this role as a vulnerable man he's and somehow still be able to capture the the masculine the masculine strength strong like 
persona that he normally is but he is you know he's gay but he still manages to be himself and be masculine and strong and this which is something that we never thought we would see from you know him you know or for him to play a role like this he put his all into this role and you could see it um almost in the same way that i saw angela bassett do with black panther wakanda forever it was kind of like it kind of gave that vibe like he he put himself in a vulnerable position to play a role that he's never played before and it was beautifully done it was so well done he didn't hold back it didn't feel forced he went right into it he had love scenes with um murray uh bartlett bartlett and him and frank's chemistry just felt real and i thought it was it was tremendous and by the end when they the, the change in the story from the video game comes when they both kind of play romeo and juliet type of end to their relationship they both you know decided to say like i'm happy you know frank didn't couldn't handle it anymore but bill couldn't handle being without him and it was like what's the point of it all so you gave me such a great life let's just go on our own note and that's what they did and you know years later um years later you know they can't you know they uh ellie and joel come back to revisit them because there was a point in the episode where um where uh, what was that what was the uh name of his um I forgot his uh joel's girlfriend's name they actually visited them at one point um you know to try to offer their help and assistance and everything and he kind of declined it but they still kept in touch whatever but bill left a note to joel tell him like look i didn't like you but i respected you but you know we're not we're not going to be here anymore don't go into the other room because you're not going to like what you see um but take whatever you need you know it's all for you and just keep her just keep his girlfriend um you know alive which then became a bit of regret to um it was a bit of a regret and his you could hear it in his voice um and it was tess i'm sorry forgive me again i didn't play the game but uh tess you know who you know died um like in this episode two you know they liked tess frank liked tess bill liked tess um but it's just another it was just another reminder that joel lost another person that meant a lot to him you know he lost his daughter and now he lost tess and now he has to try to keep ellie alive so i mean the episode was just extremely powerful this if you ever want a if you want somebody to if you want to convince somebody that video games has some subject matter and is sophisticated and it has some depth you show them not only this show but you show them that episode and they're going to look at you like this is from a video this is based on a video game video games have value and this show proves it i'll be hell sonic the hedgehog can also be you know definitive too but like from this is from a very sophisticated standpoint like a really adult subject matter this episode really gave it to us so oh my goodness this this was so awesome and then we had episode four which came out yesterday and uh again they um for what they said in the behind the scenes they kind of deviated from the episode and this was the premiere this was the debut of 
an actor I was waiting for because I loved this actor. Um, Milani uh, Linsky from Two and a Half Men, who plays Rose on Two and a Half Men. I love her as Rose on that show. She plays a very psychotic, demented, but cerebral type of person on that show. And having her on here, much like they did with, um, just like they did with uh, pretty much with Nick Offerman, it was like one of your favorite characters of another show coming on to really give a different presence. And that she did. She she plays the role of Kathleen, uh, Kathleen who kind of is has a little bit of a Negan-esque type of vibe to her in a sense, but not not that not like cutthroat. Oh well, technically a little bit cutthroat, but not like it's not antagonizing she's doing she's trying to she does what she does to survive but she thinks what she's doing is for the greater good but it's like just as chaotic as probably anybody else who would be in that situation it's based on fear more than anything um she's also accompanied by a guy named perry and they're kind of the you know main you know villains or antagonists of this whole thing because we see joe joel and ellie after coming from bill's house to travel to um this you know a different area they end up in kansas on their road to try to make sure Ellie's in the right place. Um, and they stumble onto some trouble when uh, uh, Kathleen's people would try to ambush them. And, you know, Joel being the military guy he is, was able to take him out. One of them may have been her brother. And I think this is gonna cause a even worse situation in, in this case. They managed to get away from them, but they haven't, you know, Kathleen and Perry are, you know, are gonna hunt them down. They got the whole entire, guild of people that they are around the area to you know hunt these two down um one of the guys almost killed joel but ellie you know used the gun that she got from bills to save uh joel um and it, you know this is the episode where these two started to bond they um they really start to bond out like ellie starts you know using this book of puns to try to make him laugh to try to warm up to him because you know Joel try, he tries his best to be stone cold in this whole thing, but still be protective. And it's like, you really can't do two things that, you know, do both at the same time. He's trying to not get attached to her because of what happened with his daughter, obviously. So he's just trying to transport her down, but you know, he breaks down at the end and like starts to laugh with her because she gives him a pun joke that, you know, he couldn't deny. Um, but later in the episode, they also show a two new other characters, uh, a guy named Henry, who apparently is um, he's deaf or mute, if you will. And it's, it's this little kid that's going to be joining uh, as well. So I don't know if these guys are characters to the actual main story, but we're going to find out. I They have said that Kathleen and Perry's characters are completely new. So this absolutely makes this a filler episode entering some new characters that I don't know how long these characters are going to be. Um, and how are they actually going to be tied into the actual video game, like canon aspect of it? Cause I don't know if they're doing the last of us three or whatever like that, but it is what it is, but it's great to have, um, Milani Linsky on here. She's a tremendous actor. It was a great episode. Didn't course it was just it's hard to say that it's going to be better than last week's episode it was last week's episode was just heartwarming and just just like you can't i don't care what you think about people in the lgbtqi um ia community if you have a heart you 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 got you know you have to love that episode 
I loved it. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was just a heartwarming human tale of two people trying to find a bond in a crazy, crazy apocalyptic world. I, I, I can't understand. Like, you have to be closed minded and one dimensional not to really dig that episode. It was what it was, and it did it greatly. I just show again i i don't see myself still wanting to play the game but as far as just the story aspect i god i love this episode i love this show i love the series i love the actors pedro pascal as if he was already not already everybody's favorite person in the mandalorian is just he's just killing it man and after watching this too and after watching the mandalorian for the last few couple seasons or whatnot i'm starting to realize that the Mandalorian is an intergalactic version of The Last of Us. <laughs> really think about it. Really, really go back and think about it, man. It's like the, there's a similar premise to The Mandalorian and The Last of Us. It like you got for The Mandalorian, you got Grogu. For The Last of Us, you got Ellie. They're traveling from point A to point B to get, you know, each person in a safe situation. They're kind of the same things, but you got pedro pascal always being the guy and then on top of that they had him on saturday, um, saturday night live as mario doing the exact same thing for peach like he's that dude now so uh it's awesome really it's really fantastic if you got hbo this is a can't miss series for you and what i would i would say about this too what i love about this so far of course this is only episode four so far we haven't gotten deep into this i don't know what's gonna happen but this in turn like compared to compared to what um robert kirkman did with the walking dead this has a similar presence but not as gritty not as i you know i'm not we're not in a sense in an area where like it traumatizes you this is giving you kind of a similar story but a more i don't want to say softer but it, it it gives you a more welcoming vibe to like yes you'll see the hardships and 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 bad side of things but there is hope in here and that's something i never got out of the walking dead you never got a sense of hope in the walking dead here in the form of ellie you got a form of hope here somehow some way so and it, it you know it just feels a little bit better to take in because when i watched the walking dead it was at the same time as watching other shows like breaking bad and the sons of anarchy and man come on watching all those drama series can really put you in a really bad state which is why i was at least glad that the walking dead had the talking dead afterwards to talk you through those things because it was mentally traumatizing to watch like the only way i will watch the walking dead now because i stopped watching again i stopped watching like a little bit after glenn died um, from the uh bat of negan and then i stopped watching it because some of the episodes just didn't intrigue me and i i think i was just so out of it because the, the glenn thing took me out of my energy uh, when i watched that it was so bad that it actually rained in california and it never rained. it's been a dry um you know situation in california at the time for quite a while and it rained that day that that said a lot <laughs> but this one is a little bit more handheld for me um and i feel like it's not going to be as gritty but of course i haven't watched any of this yet so we'll see what's going to happen with this um but i like the i like the feeling of hope at least during the dire situation i didn't get that i didn't like i said i haven't watched the walking dead completely and 
I know Negan ended up working with him, which is crazy as hell. <laughs> eventually, um, I, I got to ask somebody, maybe if you're listening right now, people in the ACMG Facebook group, can somebody tell me if like The Walking Dead ended on a good note? Because if it did, I'll go back and watch it because I can't watch just going a bad note. I knew a lot of what has happened in that series, but I didn't know what happened at the end. So if it is a, if they do get on a good note, if they find a cure to the to the you know Walker situation, I'll watch it because it's like I can't watch this series and they, you know, all existence is just gone. You know, I can't. I watched Sons of Anarchy and watched Jax die. I watched The Walking Dead and watched um, Walter White die. It was like, come on, man. <laughs> Jeez, it's just too much. You know, I didn't watch Sopranos, thank goodness. But even if I did, I wouldn't know what the hell happened anyway, apparently from how it ended. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get into some other bit of news. And one is Netflix announced and revealed One Piece in a graphic poster on social media and with a date well not really a date but they said it's actually coming out this year uh netflix revealed when we will be able to see the live action adaption uh one piece which is coming sometime around they just said 2003 they didn't say spring summer winter or fall winter they just said it's coming they did not give it while well, they did not give a specific date doesn't matter because fans are have been mixed about this announcement since day one this and yu yu Hakusho, which is also um still in the works to being done we did see the look of um the yu yu Hakusho guys and you know for the most part people were impressed because it is an all asian cast which respectfully they needed to be um because you can't have a a white guy named yusuke you're a mushy okay <laughs> or, or a demon named he ain't like 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 for the most part or kuwabara you can't have a a you know white guy with those names and then they would probably localize it and change it anyway but thank goodness they're it looks like they're trying to do it from source material and i'm hoping that actually works out because i'm a huge yu yu Hakusho fan so i hope they get it right I hope they get one piece right as well. We'll see how that goes. We still haven't. We saw the actors, but we haven't seen them in in form, in costume, if you will. Um, people were already skeptical because of their thoughts about Cowboy Bebop, which also has gotten mixed reviews. I actually liked it. Um, There's some people who didn't like it. I think there was a minority of people who didn't like it. And apparently, unfortunately, the creator of Cowboy Bebop wasn't too much of a fan of it either. I don't I don't know I, I I didn't mind it I thought the characters were um they looked the part I thought they played the part I don't I watched the anime series and watched that it had the same vibe to me you know I didn't think it was that bad at all but we'll see um so we'll keep you posted on this and we'll apparently eventually give our thoughts when the time comes when that comes out speaking of thoughts as you know last week Wakanda Forever finally hit Disney Plus and I watched it for the first time since the movies. This is good. Wakanda Forever is going to rank up with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and possibly Endgame in terms of Marvel movies that is going to, without a doubt, undoubtedly make me tear up. Um, I was cool watching the first because I, I knew what to expect and everything. And I thought like, all right, I've watched this already. I don't think I'm going to actually break out. No, nah, that wasn't the case. Cause by the end of that movie, when she went to uh, Haiti, I, it was, I was, I was done. 
<laughs> one, no, matter of fact, I'll tell you, not only just from that scene, but when damn Rihanna's uh, Lift Me Up came on, oh, it hit me. It, it did. If anybody listening to Seinfeld fan, you ever watch the episode where Elaine dates some guy who just into the Desperado song? And every time it comes on, he just pauses and gets into a hypnotic gaze. I feel like that's me with Rihanna's Lift Me Up because whenever I hear it, it stays in my brain for a long time and I can't get it out my head unless I, you know, start listening to other music, I guess. But it stays on my head for a long time. And then I heard it and it just, I, I literally just went into tears with that, man. It was just that show, that movie. And also knew that during uh, the scene where, um, where Angela Bassett, uh, you know, uh, Cream Ramona got on uh, Okoye. Boy, I clapped hard because she, again, this is the reason I guarantee you this is the scene where they were like, we got to give this woman an award. <laughs> this was just outstanding performance on Angela Bassett's part. I hope she gets an Oscar. Um, I, I really hope she gets an Oscar for that because it, she definitely deserves all of it. She poured her heart out to it. And it showed, again, you could bring depth and, you know, and integrity and the sophistication into a role, albeit based on a comic. And that's what she did. And that's what Ryan Krugler did for her, you know, and shout out to Michael B. Jordan. He he owns Killmonger. I don't think you're going to find a better Killmonger than Michael B. Jordan. But he, he keeps it real with that role, too. So it was awesome. Um, and Letitia Wright. She owned, she owned it. She really did. I really thought she did a great job too. And just looking at her again, taking over the role of Black Panther. She really owned that role. So I'm looking forward to what's going to happen with Wakanda next. I know they're doing a, uh, a Disney Plus series in the works and all the stuff. So I'm, I'm ready for whatever happens in here. So, all right. Last thing I wanted to talk about, comic book fans. Last week, I, I follow Eric Larson, who's one of my favorite comic book artists. Um, out there he's in my Mount Rushmore of comic book artists out there and he reminded us that last week was the 30 like 31 years ago last week mark the date when Image Comics was born and I gotta say man damn 31 years oh my god I was a teen when 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 Image Comics was out it was one of the hottest times for comic books man like comic books were back then what comic book movies are today. And as a result, you know, the the, the, uh, the, the significance of that is that they're, the movies are based on a lot of the stories that happened during the hottest time of comic books. And they've now being brought into, you know, movie form. And it's just as a seller. Basically, a lot of the comic book movies today are a celebration of what was in the 90s. So um, I... I Man, it takes me back. Let me talk about revolutionary. Image Comics was to comic books was what was what ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling was to the wrestling industry. They were rebels. They were rogue. These guys were like not trying to hear it. They 90s was a time when people rebelled. It was a rebellious period because people got tired. It's kind of like it was there's some bits of what the 90s was now today with with Gen Z. Um but not in the same way. 
like we left jobs we said screw the, the, the bosses and everything like the limp biscuit area and all that stuff we were like screw screw you guys we're tired of you treating us the way we were we just found another job because the economy was still good this one is not i mean it's kind of in that same fashion where people like feel like they are being overworked underpaid and all that stuff and they are going about it their way but i don't it's not as easy as it was to do like i left my job my, my retail job and say like look you know what i'm tired of retail i'm going to corporate and immediately went to corporate sometime like afterwards it took me a while to get there but i got there and i've worked corporate ever since this point up until this point it's not the same now but these guys you know todd mcfarland jim lee rob liefeld eric larson mark silvestri i mean the the creme de la creme of comic book artists in the 90s all said screw it we're leaving marvel because we made marvel a lot of money and we're not getting are worth back and they formed their own independent company called image which is still an independent company to this day where everybody owns their own intellectual properties which led to robert kirkman creating the walking dead and invincible also being created as well by him and like stuff like that and um and it's just been awesome ever since like a whole bunch of things came out of it spawn young blood wildcat savage dragon um supreme like it, it, you name it is they these guys have done it and they made their mark hard and this also led to jim lee you know making wildstorm his uh, you know his uh his company wildstorm was also another comic that he made as well um but he turned that into like the name of his comic book brand which then somehow some way led to him working with dc but also becoming the main dude of dc He's the Kevin Feige of DC or the, or the Stan Lee of, 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 um, of DC comics right now. And dude, it's just crazy how this road is going because of that. Like there's a documentary out for image comics. That's out right now that I would highly recommend people check out. I believe the secret Robert Kirkman did a documentary on image comics, but there's also another documentary on image comics as well. That really spotlights what the great the goods and the bads of what they went through during those times and the popularity that they get like jim like rob rob liefeld was so popular people can deny him all he want but he was very popular back then but so popular that he ended up doing a levi's commercial with spike lee and spike lee interviewed him rob liefeld was so popular that easy e the legendary rapper from nwa came to see him because his his people thought he was that dude like you can say what he wanted about the feet and and the big guns and, and and sometimes he screws up like people screw up like not everybody's jim lee where everything comes out like damn near perfect every single time like i i hate that like give the dude his credit he is dope jim lee i mean rob liefeld is forever dope um he's not the best out there but he damn sure made a significant impact in the industry and you can never take away the number of comics that that man has sold you could be bitter and cynical all you want and hateful and trolling all you want that dude made money he's still living off his money and for god's sakes he created deadpool that deadpool money will always come <laughs> okay so say what you will he made the new mutants a popular thing he made help make image a popular thing as well you can't deny the dude okay enough said but image comics will forever impact 
the history of comic books and the fact that it's 31 years is amazing man so kudos to everybody who stepped foot in that company and did something and made something of themselves in there and all the new people that they allow to have opportunities to create their own intellectual properties out there i wish there were more image comics out there like image comics is not perfect by any stretch because they had their bumps on the road but if you don't take a chance to do something like that you never know what can come out of it, good or bad. There's always gonna be goods and bads in anything that you grow in business. There's always gonna be hard times in those businesses too, but if you don't, you never know what impact you make if you put yourself out there. And that's a great example of why you should take the risk sometimes and go out there because you never know what, what, you, what, can, what can come of it. So cheers to Image Comics and to many more years from there. So folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I will talk about the legend of Vox Machina season two on Prime Video and uh, see what I thought about that. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. Do it. And now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my look at the Legend of Vox Machina season two. Um, one of the best ways to get me interested in anything involving Dungeons and Dragons may be doing this show. And once again, this season has really lived up to its expectations in terms of entertainment, comedy, action, adventure, and um, intriguing and very awesome characters in here. You add this premise and you give it a comedic aspect to it and you know dialogue that is untraditional to what you would expect for this type of genre and it's a it's a really great match here now i will say this it's just so funny that people love this show and love the dialogue because it's like an offbeat type of you know dialogue and back and forth that you would get rhetoric that you would get from the normal type of medieval type of you know dialogue that you would normally get filled with you know shakespearean type of you know uh speech and whatnot but then you you go to check out the story of forsaken and how that dialogue is and people will people just hate it but in a lot of ways there's some similarities to the way to the dialogue 
and for spoken in the dialogue here it's like you got these two medieval worlds that are happening and the main characters aren't talking in the same fashion as the other one yet people hated on Frey the character Frey on the game for you know having that type of speech or talking like she from the hood or around the way I guess that's what it really comes down to that people just don't say it and I remember watching IGN you know uh discussion they had a panel discussion on online about you know giving an, a different look at Forspoken one of the one of the guy uh, the panelists on there was questioning the one of the um one of her, his co-workers a female a black female who you know thought that the game wasn't as bad as what people thought it was like and i agree with her as well she gave it a bit of a more optimistic thought of it and they talked about the dialogue and he kind of said like you know was it the way she was talking and these young guys they they asked the wrong questions because i would the minute he said that i would have been like what exactly it is about the way she's talking that you think is bothersome you know put people on the spot when they say stuff like that but nonetheless and maybe it wasn't ill intent but you know this is the you gotta you gotta teach people in this way but vox mackinoff kind of does the same thing you know you got and, and, and the crazy part is these characters unlike frey who's from new york coming into this that new world these characters actually live in this world and they're still talking like as if they're from new york or they're talking like normally like how we would normally talk in the modern day era and they're also cursing up a storm as well just like Frey did but for some reason people love this but didn't love that but nonetheless I enjoyed both and I enjoyed this one as well I thought the comedy was funny I thought the chemistry between the characters were great as they were last season and the story and premise this time is they up to Annie with this one because their enemies are even more deadly and powerful and, and treacherous and scary this time around so the story here said you know they, they write after saving the realm from the evil uh evil and destruction at the hands of the most powerful or the most terrifying power couple and extra uh exandria vox makinoff is faced with saving the world once again this time from the sinister group of dragons known as the chroma conclave and the animation was stepped up the animation the other thing i like about this series and, and invincible and uh, you know just anything that amazon prime has done via animated wise is they're bringing back the quality of animation and people need to understand animation and character design are two different aspects of what a cartoon is animation is just the framework and, and and movement and fluidity of the movement and the character design also is just the way they look and believe it or not people mix animation and character design you know up together and it's not the case there are two different aspects of what makes an animated series in a cartoon or whatnot in the 80s which i felt like at the time was the best era of any cartoon or animated series out there you had he-man you had transformers you had um the silverhawks the thundercats all these masks all these really awesome looking beautifully detailed uh drawn and detailed characters and slightly great animation with that now somewhere along the 90s 
that animation quality fell. The character design kind of went for this, you know, crudely animated style, you know, characters, you know, the beef is a butthead era, if you will. Um, Ren and Stimpy came along and, you know, did their thing, but then Beavis and Butthead came with these crudely drawn characters. We liked them. We still like them, but it led to an entire era of these crudely drawn, poorly animated TV shows at that. And then you had it would, would it just looked like it was like the budget to make a really good animated series was too much. And I remember if people don't remember this, but like before the 92 X-Men series, there was a actual pilot made by Sumbo um, Studios, which was affiliate of Marvel Comics. That, and they, they were also they were also the ones that um, helped make uh, Gem and the Holograms, which was another great one. Um, what else? Transformers, G.I. Joe. They made all those. And Humanoids, I think, also, too, was another one that they made. Like, I'm, I'm going back. But they made an X-Men pilot that was so beautifully done. It damn looked like what we see from anime, from, like, anime, like, Fist of the North Star style, you know, depth. And they, it was so beautifully done. But they said it cost a hell of a lot of money to actually make. So they never came through with that, with that show. It, like you can still find that show to this day it is still awesome like just visually and it still matches and lives up to a lot of the american animated shows today it's still like ahead of its time but the budgets for all these shows came down then we got like really crappy looking shows um in comparison to what we had before i can vividly make mention of street fighter and mortal kombat which were horrible looking uh animated shows um if you have uh what is that um retro crush which is like a free anime anime uh streaming network and app that you could download and they show actual free anime uh shows they also have acquired the usa version of street fighter the, the animated series which it is the worst it is horrible they um mortal kombat was also a bad one too and they were just going the cheap route so it was because of that that many fans migrated over to anime and started doing tape trading and stuff like that and then it became you know anime just became a thing when anime became a hot note in people's world the studios caught wind of this and they started you know doing they finally started adding better animation quality and character design dc dc animation was one of the first with batman the animated series and then superman and justice league and all the stuff and they started watching what anime was doing and they started taking you know notes and shades from what anime was doing to make better animated shows and we got better to this point so that's why you know i'm long way to say that we've come a long way back to good quality animated shows like vox mackinoff and 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 you know uh J young justice and um avatar you can name that too and legend of Korra. you know animated shows like that we finally got back to that level of quality that we've been you know craving for because anime has helped bring that back and vox mackinaw is just an awesome looking and well animated well drawn show um that keeps you on your feet 
every single step of the way the, the quality they spent they spared no expense on this show <laughs> definitely and the dragons of chroma conclave those guys look as badass as you would expect for any you know main boss of any game here so the, in terms of character development here there's some things that has happened in the season. this was a nine season episode uh, uh season a nine episode season i should say this year and i'm wondering if they were going to get any more because i felt like nine episodes was just way too short um and they kind of left us in a cliffhanger you know this time around and there was a lot of growth this episode because this is dungeons and dragons one of the things that dungeons and dragons um one of the things that dungeons and dragons is always known for like any other role-playing game is known for is growth and evolution skill leveling up and type things and they did that with this season by you know not only providing a great threat to the guild but also you know having them go on a path to become more powerful and powerful enough to take down these dragons that's terrorized all these different you know lands and, and castles and whatnot these guys these the conclave is trying to take over the world and these guys need to, enough power to do so so they're going on this on these quests to find more powerful weapons and powerful um, abilities to take you know to be able to fight the conclave let's take grog for example Grog finds himself in a dire situation when he comes across this evil sword with a hunger for blood. <laughs> okay. Grog has been hypnotized by the sword, talks to the sword, uh, romanticizes with the sword, and develops a taste for rage in the process. He starts to realize this that the addiction to the sword is becoming deadly and, and you know, a, a you know, a danger to everybody he's around. But the sword keeps you know mesmerizing him and everybody around him is just worried because they don't know what the hell is going on with him right now i want to also note that he grew a beard this season and he no longer looks like drax from guardians of the galaxy now he looks more like kratos from the recent god of war series so i don't know if that was intentional but now he it's really funny that he came from looking like one character to a whole new character in itself because he has to face you know the um the war marks and everything it's it's just hilarious but he's one of my favorite characters in here too um pike is also worried because pike is you know his one of his great friends and he's and he's a friend of the family we also during the season get to see a flashback of how um grog and pike family became a thing and got together and how grog defended them during an invasion uh of his army and how he was you know uh he, he was distant from his clan because he defended them so you know there's going to be a full circle thing coming in this season very soon and that's kind of where the cliffhanger ends with this whole thing too uh kf also acquires a new ability as well so she's now becoming a more powerful kind of sorceress in here as well scanlan everybody's favorite bard if you will has acquired a new sword from the sphinx that they uh, acquire from a challenge that they had while also trying to learn how to communicate better with people he is attracted to that is including pike and we see that there's sort of a development coming between those two both vax and vex have become uh have come across some new armor and abilities as well and 
all of these new powers is hopefully will help them go up against the uh, Chroma Conclave. But the Chroma Con uh, Conclave, say that like five times fast, is trying to actually, you know, they're, they're aware of what's going on. They're looking at for these powerful uh, elements in order to, you know, make sure that nobody takes them down. So with only nine episodes so far, we have yet to delve into the into this new saga and this and this these new adversaries that they have. But nonetheless, the nine episodes have been nothing short of fantastic and entertaining. I can rewatch this show over again and enjoy it just as much as before. Um, you know, the Legend of Vox Machinoff is not the first Dungeons and Dragons like actual series. And speaking of great 80s uh, animated shows and, and cartoons, the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon that used to come on Saturday mornings is was awesome. And this kind of is like a a more adult version of that, with the exception is that the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon was sort of kind of what they call an SK, you know, type of vibe, because the original Dungeons and Dragons were actual kids. I believe they were in a carnival. They were friends at a carnival who just happened to get into this portal that ended them that had them go into uh this this dungeon dragons world and they end up having to do it then so you know the sk you know way of st style of storytelling is dated back to alice in wonderland and you know just over and over again this is nothing new um but you know this kind of reminds me of that but just a more adult oriented version of that because one we didn't have prime video to be able to play this stuff and two this was saturday morning in the 80s this was for kids and they weren't cr uh, cursing up a storm or having adult or uh you know sexual content or whatever like that it was basically this is the this is for the dungeons and dragons fans of who grew up with that and now we're going to an adult phase version of that and people who you know um are fans of critical role as well this uh this is something that they put together and it's awesome so we're seeing a big comeback on, you know, our, you know, tabletop RPG lore uh, more than ever. And didn't the new Dungeons and Dragons movies coming out too with uh, Chris Klein and uh, Michelle Rodriguez and such. And it's going to be interesting to see how that is. That actually looks pretty good too. So um, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out The Legend of Vox Machinoff uh, season two or even just the entire season and you got Amazon Prime and you never used that aspect of it. But everybody is now because they've grown their content so well over the years. There was a time where people were just paying like $90 for just shipping, not realizing that we had all this extra content, the music that you could play um, in the movies that you could watch and the TV shows that you could watch. Now, now they built their library so well, it, you know, Prime Video is a must to have in, 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 in terms of streaming stuff like that. Plus you get free, free two day shipping. You can't go wrong with that. It's just a great deal. So go out of your way, check it out. I, I feel like I, want to give this a grade because if i give it a grade it's definitely an a but i feel like this it's unfinished they left us in a in a in a cliffhanger are we going to get more episodes i don't know we will see but so far so great man go out of your way check it out it's awesome and uh that'll do it for us folks that'll do it for this episode of acmg presents talk time live i hope you guys enjoyed it stay tuned next week we will have new episodes of select start and the prime show and uh we'll just keep things going but if you love this episode and every episode here on talk time live the podcast you can check out 
those episodes on TalkDumbLive.com. Uh, all of our audio episodes, our video exclusives are available to you and much more content as well, media and blog content as well. So go out of your way, check all those out there. If you are a fan of streaming networks, we are on everywhere where podcasts are played. That's including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, and Tumblr. Go on to Tumblr. If you go on to Tumblr, you could go on their app and check out our Dale, or you could go on to their, you know, on a brow any browser and type in Talk Time Live, and you'll see our episodes. You can listen to it on that platform as well. So again, thanks everybody for your constant support, your ever-growing support for this show. And we wish to keep you growing and, and going as well. And fulfill your day with happiness of your favorite fandoms so that will do it for me on behalf of myself this is dag xavier josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out there take care and have a great week Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.